in the 27th chapter of the book of Genesis, we are moving into an area of Scripture that is fascinating. We're going to be teaching you, and you're going to see this really throughout the rest of the book of Genesis in places, the law of the birthright. It's called the law of the birthright. And uh, I will tell you this, as we study the law of the birthright, you are really going to experience what I, what I feel is gold from God. It is an amazing, amazing teaching in the Word of God, the law of the birthright. So in the 27th chapter, verse 1, it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so that he called, uh, so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son. He said unto him, Behold, here I am. And he said, Behold, now I am old and I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow and go out into the field and take me some venison and make me savory meat such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless thee before I die. Say with me that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. Let's pray. Father we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We pray, God, that you would give us inspiration to declare it and to receive it. We thank you for your presence that is here now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right, please back up with me to the 25th chapter of the book of Genesis. And uh, there we see a prophecy concerning uh, Jacob and Esau. The Bible says in the 25th chapter of the book of Genesis, verse 24, Genesis 25 and verse 24, And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Of course, this is speaking about Rebekah. And the Bible says, And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. So he's the firstborn son, Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. So Jacob is the second-born son, uh, very quickly upon the birth of Esau. And Isaac was sixty years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac, notice this, loved Esau, because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved who? Jacob. Okay, so we have Isaac loving Esau because he did eat the venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom, which means red. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy what? Birthright. Thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright 
do to me. And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto who? Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. He did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his what? His birthright. So the prophecy from God in the scripture is that the elder would serve the younger, which means Esau, the firstborn, would serve the younger Jacob. Now, the firstborn son was the one who received what is known as the birthright. And the birthright was an impartation of a double portion. So if you were the firstborn son in that culture, you received twice as much inheritance as the other people in the family, the other sons in the family. Connected to the double portion of the birthright was called the blessing. And the blessing was that you were going to be in the genealogical line of Jesus Christ. That means in your ancestry, uh, in your family history, you would be in the lineage of the coming Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. So connected to the birthright, the double portion, is the blessing of being in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Now, in that blessing also was an anointing for ministry. And it was anointed for kingship and priestlyship. Okay? So what, I, what I'm trying to get you to understand is in that culture, the birthright had a double portion of inheritance that would come to you. Connected to the birthright was a blessing which gave you a, um, an office or position of priest and king in your family. And also you'd be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Now Esau, the firstborn son, sold his birthright. He didn't care anything about spiritual things. He didn't care anything about God. He didn't care anything about all of these things that were spiritual. He was fleshly. He was carnal. And he got hungry one day and he sold that birthright. So he gave into the flesh. Now, when we come over into uh, the scripture reading for today in the 27th chapter, Isaac believes that he is about to die. So he's going to confer the blessing part of the birthright at death. You understand what I'm saying? Now, Jacob already has the birthright because Esau sold it to him, the double portion. Now, the blessing comes when the father is about to die. He would gather his children or his sons before him, and he would place his hands on the sons. If there's two of them, he would place his right hand on the elder son and bless the elder son, give him the blessing. He would place his left hand on the younger son and also confer some blessing upon him. You understand that? So what we have is, is Jacob has the birthright, but now it's time in Isaac's mind to bless him or pass the blessing part of the birthright on to his sons. Now, remember this, God has already declared in the 25th chapter that the elder would serve the younger. Okay? Jacob has the birthright, the double portion. And God has prophesied that the blessing also belongs to him. Are y'all with me here? That it's Jacob who's going to be the priest king. It is Jacob that is going to have the lineage of the Messiah in his family history. So God has already given it to Jacob. He's already prophesied it to him. He doesn't yet have it because Isaac is not yet about to die. Do you understand? 
it's at death that the blessing is passed on the children. Okay, so now when we come to the story, giving you that background of the birthright, the double portion, with the blessed king-priest ministry and the lineage of Jesus, we come to the time when Isaac feels like he's going to die and he wants to pass that blessing aspect of the birthright upon his son. Now what does he do? He declares, he makes up his mind that he's going to bless the elder son. That's not in the will of God. God has already spoken prophetically that the elder would serve the younger. But remember what I read to you in the previous chapter. Isaac loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And the reason why uh, Isaac loved Esau is because the Bible says he ate his venison. So now, uh, Isaac feels like he's about to die. He wants to confer the blessing upon Esau, which is not in the will of God. So he's going against the will of God, wanting to bless his elder, when God said the elder is going to serve the younger, or Esau is going to serve Jacob. So are you clear on your understanding here? Okay. So Esau is not in the will of God, when he wants to bless Esau, the elder son. It's not God's will. Alright, verse 1. So we see it came to pass that when Isaac was what? He's old. Now you've got to be careful when you start getting older. All of us do. Amen. That, that's something that, that I'm concerned about in my own life, you know, um, as I get older. You know, when you're young... I don't know how to put it. It's it, it just sometimes you're, you're, you won't make as many mistakes in, in God um, as, as you're young in the Lord. I mean, obviously, if you're a new convert, you're going to kind of have problems from here and there. But as you grow in God and you've been in the church for a while, you're pretty young, you really don't make a whole lot of mistakes. But when you start getting older, I don't know what it is. It just something starts happening to you. Amen. <laughs> And I'm not yet that old, but I'm getting older. And I have to be careful because when you get older, you start getting tireder. And, and you start um, losing physical abilities, so on and so forth, in your life. And uh, if you're not careful, when you start getting older, you start making really bad decisions. You start making some mistakes because just old age, you know. Uh, so you're starting to get tired and everything and, and your faculties are starting to, to get weaker and weaker. Your senses are and so on and so forth. And so sometimes just life and the challenges of life and being tired and, and you know how it is when you get old, things start going away. You know what I mean? And you start making horrible decisions, spiritually speaking. And there, there's people that can make it, they can be powerful in God for a long time and then something happens and when they get old, they start making mistakes. And so we see this man Isaac, he's approximately 137 years old at this time. If we take all the genealogies, that's the way that you come up with that figure. He's about 137 years of age, so he's, he's getting old at this point. And the Bible says that he's losing his eyesight. He can't see very well. And in those days, there were no such thing as going to the eye doctor and getting an eye prescription and walking around with glasses. They didn't have glasses in those days. Okay? So here he is. He's getting old. Oh, 137 years old. His eyes, he's starting to lose his vision. He's starting to lose his eyesight. And Brother Daniel back there smiling real big. 
He sent me a text last night. He, I couldn't find a piece of equipment here at the church where the backpack blower, by the way, we finally found it, Brother Heath. But anyway, make a long story short, I went over there to the um, this little storage that we have, looked in there, opened the door. I didn't see a backpack blower. So I asked Brother Daniel, you know, because uh, I felt like he knew where it was because he used it last. And so I said, where's the backpack blower? And he said, well, it's right there in that little storage area right there, all right? And I said, well, will you go check for me? Well, he comes up here and obviously he found what I couldn't find. And it was sitting right there in, in front of the door, you know. And I said, I don't know, somebody playing a trick on me because it wasn't there when I, when I opened that door. And I said, brother, he's got getting to be about my age now, so both of us can't. We're not, neither one of us doing very well because both of us looked and we didn't see it. And all of a sudden it shows back up and I said, somebody's got to be playing a trick on me. You know, and he sent a picture to me to prove that it was there. And then he sent a picture of me with big old glasses. And it wasn't me, but he said, you need to get you some big old glasses, you know, about that thick. Hallelujah. I said, well, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I might not be able to see, but as long as I can hear, that's the main thing. I don't want to lose my hearing. I might not be able to see, you know, praise God. But I think somebody's playing a trick on me. Amen. So I texted him back. We were laughing a little bit, you know, and I said, my problem is with my eyes, if I were to put those on, the problem I have with my eyes, my eyes don't know if they can't see up close or they don't know if they can't see far away, which means I need bifocals you know it's not that bad but I'm just saying that, that when you start getting older I notice my eyes starting to get a little dimmer you know praise the Lord I don't have to wear glasses all the time I, I wear them to drive so I can see distance and sometimes when I'm reading real small print I'll put some readers on you know what I'm saying but my eyes aren't that bad but I have noticed with time that my eyes are not what they used to be praise the Lord I mean if you can't see a big old backpack blower there's something wrong, but I'm, I'm telling you, somebody playing a trick on me and Brother Heath. It might be Sister Pearl, I don't know. Amen. But that's what started to happen to Isaac. Is that Isaac's 137 years old and he's starting to lose his vision. He's starting to lose his eyesight. Now, as you go through the chapter, you're going to see that's not the only thing that, that uh, we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at his ability to smell. Not only his ability to see, but his ability to smell, his ability to taste. His ability to hear, that's all in this chapter. Okay? So the first thing the Bible tells us is as he's getting old, his eyes are starting to go. He's, he's, look at your neighbor and say his eyesight's basically gone. He, he just can't see very well. Number two thing is, is he's all pessimistic. Because at 137 years of age, see, uh, Ishmael, uh, died at 137. And so the fathers of the patriarchs in this age, in the Bible, they die around 137 years of age. And so here Isaac is, he's around 137, and he looks at all the patriarchs, and they seem to be going about this time. You know what I'm saying? It's sort of like our, our age, people live 70, 80, 90. When you get around that age, you kind of have a feel that your time is getting close. And so Isaac, looking around, and he sees the fathers, and they die about 137, so he just... He starts calculating and he says, it's about time for me to die. Well, the sad part about it is, if you go over, let's look in uh, chapter 35. Let's see when he dies. Genesis 35. And the Bible says in verse 28. 
that the days of Isaac were a hundred and four score years. He's going to live another 43 years. But you see, he's already talking about dying. So not only is his eyesight leaving him, but he's real pessimistic about life. You know, he starts talking about dying. How many people, you know, they start getting older, that's all they talk about. They don't talk about living, they talk about dying. Well, the, well, the guy's got another 43 years. He's not about to die, but his, his mind is negative. He's a, he can't see well. He's got a negative mind. He's pessimistic. Hallelujah. Now, some of you old people are looking at me like, <laughs> and you're not old, but you're looking at me like you're old right now. And you're, 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 you're saying the same thing. And you, you, at your house, you talk about how you're going to die. I'm fixing to die. I just feel like I'm fixing to die. Well, how do you know? Isaac didn't know when he was going to die. He even says it. I don't know the day of my death. But he's talking about dying. He's got another 43 years to go. Hallelujah. Now, don't lift your hand. But how many of y'all are talking about dying? Like you feel like you're about to die. You're not about to die. You got more. You, you mean as you've ever been. <laughs> you're going to live for. Praise the Lord. <laughs> anyway. We can't get rid of you if we wanted to get rid of you. You're going to be around a long, long, long time. You know what I'm saying? Now, and some of y'all are 40 years old. Are you talking about how old you are? You're getting ready to die. Now, I'm on, Brother Daniel's always talking to me and telling me how old I am. And I don't accept that. I told him the people in the Bible lived, you know, over, around 150, 200 years old. I said, I'm young. I'm, I'm a child. I'm only 52 years old. I'm just a baby. Hallelujah. So I don't accept him. You know, he's always messing with me about my age. But, but that's what happens to you when you start getting a little older, though. You start getting pessimistic, you know, and you want to live in the good old days, and which means your memory's gone too. Because you start talking about the good old days, were those days really good old days? Okay. So your memory's not very well, very good either. Your eye starts going, right? You get all pessimistic and negative and start talking about how you're about ready to die. Well, that's where this man was. He's just negative and pessimistic. I'm about ready to die and he's got another 43 years to go. And it, but he is losing his eyesight. He's, he's got that right. I mean, he definitely could not see. And so in verse 2, this sets the stage for what's going to happen. He said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. And that is true in verse 3. And so he tells his son Esau to go out and get some venison. Because he wants to bless. He wants to pass the blessing on to Esau, the elder son. Now remember, that's not in the will of God. That's against the will of God. So it is evil. It's an evil thing for Isaac to want to bless Esau at this point because it's not God's will. God has already said the blessing belongs to Jacob. Are y'all here with me right now? Okay. But he's going to do this anyway. He's going to try to do this. He's going to try to find a way to bless Esau against the will of God. So he tells Esau, as we read the verses here, to go out and make a, uh, to get savory meat or venison, verses 3 and 4. And he says in verse 4 what his plan is, and that is to bless uh, Esau before he what? Before he dies. 
And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring in. Now look. Now we see Rebekah overhears the plan of Esau to bless, uh, or the plan of Isaac to bless Esau. She knows that Isaac is about to blow it. She knows that this isn't the will of God. She knows God has already said the elder is going to serve the younger. She knows that Jacob already has the birthright. Esau sold it to him. She knows all of this. But yet Esau is trying to override the will of God and bless Esau anyway. And so Rebekah overhears that Isaac wants to bless Esau. Now the reason why Isaac wants to bless Esau is because Isaac loves Esau more than he loved Jacob. But remember I read to you, Rebekah loves Jacob. So when Rebekah eavesdrops, she's listening in. She's got her ear. The man, she's really listening in, you know, to what the plans of, of Isaac are concerning this. And she hears that Isaac wants to bless the wrong son. So what's she going to do? What's Jacob going to do? If the wrong son gets the blessing, if Esau gets the blessing, he doesn't get the blessing and it belongs to him, what are they going to do? So Rebekah comes up with a plan, her and Jacob, to scheme and to trick Isaac into giving him the blessing, which was his already. It belonged to him already from a prophetic word. Does that make sense? Okay? So, if God said the blessing belongs to Jacob, and Isaac is about to blow it and put it on Esau, then how is God going to intervene and make sure this doesn't happen? How's God going to stop Isaac from blessing Esau when God said it belonged to Jacob? Well, what Rebekah and Jacob does is they come up with a plan, a scheme, okay, to help God out with this situation. And by the time I get through the end of the message, I'm going to show you what God would have done. Okay? If, if Rebekah and Jacob hadn't come up with a scheme to trick Isaac into blessing Jacob, how would have God stepped in and fixed this problem? Because He would have done it. And there's, there's a biblical example as to what God would have done if Esau and Jacob were standing in front of Isaac and Isaac is about to lay his right hand on the head of Esau. But it doesn't belong to Esau. There's a biblical example of what God had done. If Jacob and Rebekah had just been patient and had they just waited on God, God would have intervened. But it looked, it looked impossible to them at the time because Isaac had already made up his mind that he was going to bless Esau and Esau's out in the field looking for venison to bring it back and, he, and Isaac is about to bless Esau and so from Rebekah's perspective I've got to do something I've got to help God we got to come up with a plan we got to scheme our way here we got to trick our way here we got to lie Woo. have you ever been there? 
Have you ever been in a situation and you got a prophetic word from God? You know a call of God is on your life. There's a prophetic word of God upon your life. And then when you look at the situation, it seems impossible to you that it would come to pass. And so you start trying to help God out. Are you with me? And he said, but I know it's a prophetic. I know it's the will of God. I know I'm supposed to be doing this. The problem is you're not trusting God. You're going you're to try to scheme and trick your way through and try to help God in the situation because you don't think God can do it for you. You need to help Him. And that's exactly what Rebecca's going to do. Her and Jacob, they're going to try to come up with a plan to help God out because they don't trust God that God can even take control of this situation. Amen? All right. Now let's keep reading. What was their plan? Verse 6, Rebekah spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Verse 7, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth. So you go and get some goats out of your pen. And I'm going to prepare these goats for your father. Now, a goat is not a deer. In case y'all don't know that. I mean, I got some hunters in here. You know the difference between a goat and a deer. But a deer is not the same thing as a goat. I, I, that sounds so basic, but you need to know that as we look at the story. So Rebecca says, all right. Esau sent out into the field to get a deer or venison. But what we're going to do is we're going to come up with an alternative plan. You go get a couple of goats, which are not deer meat. And she said, I'm going to prepare uh, these goats, which means simply she's going to take that goat meat and she's going to put some seasoning on it that's going to make it taste exactly like venison. But you can still smell goat meat. I don't know if you've ever ever had any goat meat or anything like that, praise God. Uh, Brother Daniel one time uh, fixed a, a goat for Brother uh, Edmonds when Brother Edmonds came from Taiwan. And you can smell goat in that meat. How many of y'all ever eaten goat meat? You can smell the goat. And I don't, whatever you do to it, you know, you can try to, I don't know what you do to it because I don't cook it much, but, but you, you can try to get rid of that, that strange taste from goat meat, but you can't get rid of it. Maybe I ever eat goat cheese. That's the most, ugh. I mean, it's good for you. It is. It's really good for you. I mean, I eat it because it's good for you. Praise the Lord. You know, as you get older, you start thinking about things like that. And I eat goat cheese because it's good for you, but I cannot stand the taste. You could, you could taste the goat in that cheese. You know what I mean. So, so you can doctor it up and you can do your best to try to make it taste like deer meat, but it's still gonna, it's gonna smell like, unless there's something wrong with your taster, it's still gonna smell like goat meat. It's not gonna ever smell like deer meat. Look at your neighbor and say, it's gonna smell like goat meat. Now you're gonna see why that's important in just a minute. Okay? Alright. So she's gonna bring the goats. <clears throat> Jacob's going to bring the goats and she's going to prepare the goats to try to make it taste just like deer meat, but she's, you know, she's not going to be successful in it. All right? 
Praise the Lord. Unless something's wrong with his taster, has something wrong with his eyes, what about his tongue? Okay. So that's part of the scheme. Now, we keep going down here. Um, verse 10. Thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat and that he may bless thee before his what? His death. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. I'm a smooth man. Remember that? When he came out, he was hairy all over, which was unique. Normally, babies don't have much hair on them. They just got a little hair on the top of their head. When Esau came out, man, he was hairy all over. Just very, a very unique baby. Hallelujah. He looked like a full-grown man when he was born. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just a, hallelujah. He probably had more hair than most of you men do. When he was born, see, he's hairy all over. And Jacob's different because they weren't identical twins. They were twins, but not identical twins. And so when Jacob comes out, he, he comes out. He's all smooth skinned, you know. But Esau's hairy all over, you know. And so, how are we going to overcome this problem of me being smooth skinned and my brother being hairy all over? Well, let's see the scheme. What are they going to do? Verse twelve. Uh, continue, he said, My father peradventure will feel me, say, feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice and go and fetch me them. He went and fetched, brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat, such as father loved. Verse 15. Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were in her house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. So we're going to put now, she's going to take Esau's clothing and put it on Jacob. Okay. So she's going to camouflage him. Okay? Now sin always tries to camouflage its true identity. Alright? And so we've got the clothes of Esau upon him. Now what about the skin? Okay, well, what are they going to do there? What's the scheme? Well, the Bible says, after they put the clothes of Esau upon Jacob, verse 16, she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. So now the scheme is, all right, your smooth skin, so we're going to take some of that goat hair and we're going to put it on your skin. So if Isaac feels your body, he's going to feel that hair. Okay, so that's... A part of the trick. Okay? Verse 17. She gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. Verse 18. He came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, One of first of four lies. Okay? He's going to lie. The first lie is, he says, I am Esau thy firstborn. So Jacob, not only have they come up with a scheme to trick their dad, but now he comes right out and he lies. Now probably in his mind, in Rebecca's mind, it's justifiable because Isaac's fixing to blow it by blessing the elder son. So in their mind, they think it's just justifiable. So, But he lies. He says, I am Esau. He's not. He's Jacob. You with me? Number two lie. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, and sit and eat of my what? Venison, that thy soul may be may bless me. 
Number two lie. says, I did what you told me to do. I went out and got the venison. Here's the venison. Eat that. So he lied about who he was, his identity. He lied about what he did. He said, I did what you told me to do. A lie. He didn't do what his daddy, what, what, you understand? He's not the one. Esau went out, but he's lying. He said, I went and did what you told me to do. No, no. He went and got two goats out of the pen. His mama told him to do that. So he's lying about what he had done. He lies about who he is. Now look, let's keep going. Verse 20. Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. So I went out and did what I... Okay, look. He said he was Esau. He wasn't. He said he went and did what his father told him to do. Acting like Esau, he didn't. Now he lies about the food that he's presenting to him. He says it's venison, but it's not. It's goat meat. And then he says, number four, he said God is the one that did it. That's the worst of all four lies, is to say that God is the one that helped him get the meat. No, God didn't help him get the meat. He went out and got him out of the pens. Isn't that horrible? That he, that he went to this level in trying to help God out that he says God is the one that did it. Horrible. And you look at me and say, I can't believe he would do that. Uh, somebody in the Bible would do that. How many of us have done that? How many? Have you ever done that? Trying to help God out? You might not have lied. I don't remember lying. But you, you sure, and, and maybe I have at times tried to help but this man, in trying to help God out with Rebecca, he has stooped so low, he's lied four times, and the last one was the worst one of them all. He, he said, God did it for me. Wow. Doesn't trust God, does he? Rebecca's not trusting God, is she? They think they need to help God out. Well, you sure are quiet this morning. So I can tell when you get quiet, that means I'm preaching really good. <laughs> preaching right to you. Amen. So the Bible tells us, he said, God brought it to him. That's a lie. Isaac, verse 22, said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Okay? So not only is his eyesight gone, but now he's trusting in his feeling instead of walking by faith. Are you with me here? Now listen to me carefully. Okay, let me, let me go down a little bit further. Okay, and I'll come back to this in just a moment. So the Bible says... Isaac detects the voice of Jacob, says it's your voice of Jacob, but it feels like the hands of Esau. Verse 22, he discerned him not, say he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. And he said, art thou my very son Esau? He said, I am. 
He said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison. And he brought it near him, and he did eat, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Now notice this. His eyesight's gone. He's trusted in feeling to determine whether or not this is truly Esau or not. So you can say his feeling's gone. He should have been walking by faith, not by feeling. When he ate the goat meat, he didn't discern when he ate the goat meat that it wasn't venison. His taste is gone. Do you see that? Now watch this. As we keep reading in verse 27, he came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, you with me? See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. He can still smell, but he is allowing himself to be deceived. So what I want you to see progressively, what the Bible is showing you, he's painting a, they're painting a picture, the Bible's painting a picture of Isaac. His eyesight is gone. His feelings gone. His smell is still there. But you can say it's gone because he allowed himself to be deceived. You understand? He said, I smell you. You smell like the field, the grass of the field. If he could smell him and say, you smell like the grass of the field, don't you think that he could smell the difference between the goat meat and the venison? Watch this. His eyesight's gone. His feelings gone, if you understand. He allows his smell. He allows to be deceived in the area of his smell because he could smell. So let's just do it this way. His eyesight's gone. His feeling's gone. His taste is gone. Because when he ate, he could not tell the difference. And his... Uh, okay. His sight, his feeling, his taste, and his smell. All of that's gone. But I want you to notice something. He could still hear. He said, when Jacob was talking to him, he said in verse 22, Jacob went near unto Isaac, his father. He felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He could still hear very well. All Listen, all he needed to keep from being deceived was his ability to hear. You understand? If he, if he would have just gone with what he heard and not allowed his, you know, go by his eyesight, go by his feeling, go by taste, go by smell. If he had not done that, he, see what I'm saying? He let all of that override what he heard. He let his five senses override what he was hearing. He knew that he was hearing the voice of Jacob. But he let all of these other things override what he was hearing. What am I saying to you? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Everything that Isaac needed not to be deceived, he had. He still had the ability to hear the Word. So listen to me carefully. When you go through life, if you make decisions based on your five senses, you understand what I'm saying? 
You let that override the Word of God that you're hearing, you're going to get in trouble. But if you hear the Word of God, you listen to the Word of God, you have everything you need in life right now to not be deceived. If you'll start listening to the Word of God and stop going by your feelings. You understand? Isaac was going by his feelings. He let his affection for Esau override the will of God. He let, are y'all with me here? He let other things override the will of God. If he had just listened to the Word, if he had just listened to the voice, he would not have been deceived. But he let everything, his affection, override the will of God. He let these other things. He was going by feeling. He was going by what he could see, but he couldn't see. He was going by what he could smell. You understand? But he, but he allowed himself to be deceived because he did not, he refused to smell correctly. Does that make sense? What am I saying to you? As you go through life, you may know the will of God. You may have a prophetic word. You may have a call of God in your life. But because you are so emotional and because you have affection for this person or for that person, you are moving out of God's will because you're letting your feelings, your affections for other people get in, in the place of God's will in your life. Once you get the direction of God in your life, a prophetic word of God in your life, and you're hearing from God... You have to stay true to the Word of God. Because if you let your emotion and your affection for other people step in, it's going to take you out of the will of God. And I'm talking directly to, to especially one person right now, especially in my spirit, it's to everybody, but especially to one spirit I feel here the Holy Ghost say, you are letting your affection for another person hinder the will of God in your life. And if you're not careful, it's going to create great problems for you if you do that. Does that make sense? So Esau's affection, or, or Isaac's affection for Esau is putting him out of the will of God. And he's letting these other things override what he's hearing with his ears. You start going through life and you say, well, I feel like this. Or I feel like that. Let me tell you, you're going to be in a situation where you're not seeing things correctly. Your perspective is wrong. I'm going to tell, I, I feel a prophetic word right now. There's some of you sitting in this church service right now. Your perspective is off. The way you're seeing things, the way you look at things, the way you feel about things, your affections for people, all of this stuff, even maybe the way you smell. Even you can smell something out, you know. You you still got your smell, but you don't. You you refuse to even go by what your smell's telling you. But here, what you have to do today, you have to decide. I'm not going to let my emotions, my feelings, my five senses control me. I'm going to go by what God says. I'm not going to get out of the will of God. I'm not going to let these other things override what God wants done in my life. And what I'm preaching to you is one of the most important messages I could preach to anybody today, right now in this hour. Because what are we going to go by? Are we going to go by feelings? We can't. Are we going to go by our perspective, the way we see things? We can't. 
We have to go by what we're hearing. The Word of God. Hallelujah. What is the truth? What is the truth? You understand what I'm saying? Even people who have prophetic calls on their life are controlled by their feelings and, and the will of God is being overrode in their life because they're trying to help God out and they feel like they're doing a good thing but they're going to get themselves in trouble because they're not going by the Word of God. Do you understand that? And they start scheming and they start tricking and they start lying to make it happen. You don't have to do that. If God's got a call in your life, if God wants to bless your life, if God wants to anoint your life, you don't have to help God out. You don't have to step in and interfere. You don't have to lie. You don't have to trick. If you just trust God, God, even though it seems impossible to you, God can step in and intervene and make it happen. Even when it looks impossible. God doesn't need your help. He doesn't need my help. He doesn't need me tricking and lying and scheming. Amen. If I just go by once I get that direction and that call of God in my life and that anointing is there and I know what God wants me to do, I have to trust God. My God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to trust you. Amen. And you're going to be faced with so many situations in life. It may be a ministry decision. Many decisions in life. What's going to be the thing that keeps you from being deceived? What's going to keep you from making the wrong decisions in life? You understand? It's the Word of God. It's not going to be your affections. It's not going to be you overriding the Word of God. Because if you do that, you're going to get in trouble. If you do that, amen, then you're going to override the Word of God in your life. Amen. And it takes a lot of discernment. I know people right now that have calls on their life. There's no doubt in my mind. They are anointed. They've got, they got heavy anointings on their life for ministry purpose. But you see, they think that they need to be the one making it happen. They think they need to be the one. You know, and it may be through scheming and manipulating and lying and all this kind of stuff because, well, God's will is being done, so it doesn't matter how I, how we get it done. It does matter how you get it done. Amen? But some people say, well, I'm doing God's will, so you know I can lie and, and cheat and everything else as long as it's the will of God. No. God cares about how it's done, not just that it gets done. Come on, somebody. You listen to what I'm saying? I've heard stories. People in ministry come up and say, well... I feel like God told me to divorce my wife and get married to another woman. You feel. And they divorce their wives and get married to another woman saying it was God that told them to do it. Do you hear what your pastor's trying to tell you today? You cannot live life that way. You can't go through life going by your feelings and overriding the Word of God. Hallelujah in your life. You can't. You've got to get rid of saying, I feel. I, I say that a lot. I feel like. But what does the Word of God say? Because the Word of God is what's going to keep me from being deceived. What I'm hearing today, what you're hearing today, is going to keep you from being deceived. If you don't know what to do in life, get in the Word of God and find out what God says. He for sure doesn't need your help. He doesn't need you to manipulate and to trick and connive and, and all this stuff. If it's God's will, 
But you say, Pastor, I don't see, I just don't see it happening. Amen. Unless I step in, unless I do something here to, to change the outcome, he doesn't need your help. What he needs is you to trust him. What he needs from me is to hear his word. Cause if I got, how many of you still got your hearing today? You can hear the word of God. So there's no, absolutely no reason for you to be deceived this morning. Well, I don't feel good. Well, physically you might not. But you say, your perspective, the way you see things, the way you look at things, the way your feelings are, you're overriding the will of God in your life. You say, but I have affection toward this one. Well, it might be that God says, oh, you need to have your eye on this one. As I was in my study yesterday at preparing this message, I'm not going to give you a lot of details because I don't want to get into that kind of thing. But there was a time in my life when I was going to be, I was called to go to a certain place to be a pastor. I was there for a while. The pastor was still there. I knew I had a call in my life to go there. He knew it and I knew it. God sent me there. He knew I was sent there. A year went by. And I had to keep my mouth shut. I couldn't walk around to all the congregation and say, hey, guess what? I'm going to be your next pastor. Hey, guess what? He's not going to be here very much longer. I'm going to be your next pastor. And I could have went behind the pastor's back and I could have told all those people this. I could have manipulated the situation. You understand? If I had done that, I'd have messed the whole thing up. I had to wait patiently, trust God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Are you with me right now? And one day I just got to the point where I refused to divulge that, divulge that information to that church. But it had been over a year and nothing had happened. So I went to the right man. I went to the pastor of the church. I said, do you, do you still feel the same way? Am I still going to be the, the next pastor of this church? Do you still feel that way? He said, yeah, nothing's changed. I said, okay, I just wanted to ask you because I've been here for a year and nothing's happened. What I'm trying to tell you is this. The temptation you will hear, uh, you will have, even in calls of ministry in your life, is to try to help God make it happen. Step on people in the process of getting there. You understand what I'm telling you? Trying to destroy people's reputations. I, you and I have to be in a place when our emotions start getting a hold of us. They say, no, what is God saying to me? If this is God's will, He can make it happen. He doesn't need me to step in. He doesn't need me to override what I'm hearing in the Word. And I pray to God, some of you wake up because you've been led by your emotions. You've, been, you've overridden the will of God for years in your life. Trying to justify yourself. Well, you know, this is the only way I could see it happening. Me helping God. No, no, no. It got him in trouble. So the point being, without belating going too long on this, is this. Is that all you need today to not be deceived is your ability to hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If I can just... See, I, I've been in, I've been in situations you didn't know what to do. I've been in situations I didn't know what the step, the next step was in my life. I, and so I just said, God, what I need from you right now, because you may be hurting. You may be in pain. Your marriage may be on the verge of breakup. 
You understand what I'm telling you? It's bad, friend. It's bad, and you know it. And I've been in situations where it's been very difficult in my life. And I said, Lord, if you'll just speak to me right now. God, all I need is a word from you. If you'll give me a word right now, God, that's all I need. And God would step in, and He would the word would come to me. And I said, Lord, that's all I need. I just needed that word. And it's not necessarily that God is going to send you into an easier path or an easier road. Anybody can run from their problems. God may still tell you to, you stay right there. You make it work. You stay with it. You stay in that church. You don't quit. But the emotion gets a hold of you and says, no, you need to leave here. You need to go somewhere else. God is saying, no. You need to stay where you are. It's difficult. But if I can just get a word. And I've been there, so I know you've been there. If I can just hear from you, God. If I can just get a word from you, God, right now. What to do? That's all I need. If you want me to stay, I'll stay. If you want me to, whatever, God. Whatever your will is, that's what I want. No matter how difficult, no matter how complicated, no matter how much pain may still be here, I just want a word. I've been there. I know what I'm preaching to you. And God has told me what to do. Now listen to me. I've been in situations that were so complicated, you have no idea. And they weren't complicated because of what I did. They were complicated because other people were involved. And, and if, listen, church. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. If I want, if I, listen, I could have stepped in this and I could have done this and I could have went here and I could have took action here and all this stuff, but it wasn't the will of God. And what God was telling me to do was painful. It was, it was to wait. Don't go by what you're seeing right now. Don't go by, are y'all with me right now? Don't make decisions based on what you think should be done. You wait on me to step in. You wait on me to intervene. You wait on me to do it. You wait on me to bring it to an end. You wait on me to get it done. I've been there. I'm preaching to you. I'm not just telling you something I haven't lived. And sometimes the hardest thing that you could ever do is when you know what God's will is to sit there and just wait and do nothing. Don't try to help God out. Don't scheme. Don't plan your own plans. Put it in the hands of God, the situation in the hands of God, and leave it in the hands of God. And you only move when you get a word from God. You only do what God tells you to do when God tells you to do it. And it may, it's going to go contrary to your emotion, contrary to your feeling, but you know you're in the will of God. Hallelujah. I'm not going to be moved. Public opinion. Even Isaac, even Isaac knew he was not doing right. But he wanted it for his son. Public opinion, if you're not careful, will make you make decisions that put you out of the will of God. You can't go by what other people think is the will of God for you. You've got to get in the Word. What is God saying to me? What does God want me to do? Praise God. Are y'all here with me? Give the Lord praise. You can't be swayed by public opinion. But people, people, you know people are fickle. 
One minute they want to make you king, the next minute they want to crucify you. You, you, can't, you can't go, especially in minutes, you can't make decisions based on the way people are looking at you. I, at times I, I feel, you know, separation from some of you in this house. Amen? Because maybe you don't like me in that particular time or maybe something I said to you that's eating on you. Come on, somebody. You think, I'm going to quit the ministry? I've been tempted to. I've been tempted to. But what I'm telling you today, church, is this. I'm being honest with you. That when you go through these situations in your life, you've got to say, Lord, no, I've got a word from you. I'm going to see it through to the end. And it might mean a cross. It might mean crucifixion. It might mean me making decisions that are going to contrary to what I think is the best thing. But I'm going to trust you, God, to work it out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and, and I'll get to the, to the point. I'll read it to you later. But I want to tell you something. This decision between Rebecca and Jacob to help God out is going to cause Jacob to have to leave home. It's going to create so much strife between Esau and, and Jacob, the brothers, that he's going to have to leave home. Rebecca thought it was only going to be a temporary departure. Jacob was gone for 20 years. And he never saw his mother alive again. It caused great problems. See, when you try to help God out, in their case, it caused 20 years of separation where Jacob never saw his mother again. So you have to be careful when you try to help God out. It may cause great trouble and problems in your life. What is God saying? What is the will of God? Do you hear what your pastor's preaching here? You go by your emotions and trouble is going to come to your house. Problems will come to your house. You can't do it. Church, it affects other people. I know that the decisions that I make in, in, in the area of ministry is going to affect you. It's impossible for me to make a decision and not affect you. It's impossible for you to make a decision and it not affect other people. It just does. And we can talk about, well, what that person did didn't affect me. It didn't bother me. Yes, it did. Don't you lie. It did. Because the decisions that other people make when they're not in the will of God, and I say it boldly, when they're not in the will of God affects other people and other families adversely. And it'll affect your life adversely. It did Rebecca and it did Jacob. It cost them, listen, the ability to see each other for 20 years. How many of you want to go through 20 years of loneliness and misery? And stop trying to help God get the job done. When God tells you to do something, you go at it. And God will tell you how to do it. And you do it the way God tells you how to do it. But as far as you manipulating and tricking and lying and doing things behind your pastor's back and doing things behind your parents' back or doing this behind... Come on, somebody. Proper authorities back. It won't get you anywhere in life. If it's God, are you with me? If it's really God, it's going to have the favor of your pastor. 
God's not going to bypass your pastor and I'm not going to be a lord over you and I'm not going to tell you what kind of car to drive and all that kind of stuff. I'm not into that. You're never going to put me in this cult mentality. That's what some people want to do. They want to put me, you know, like I'm a cult leader or something. You're, you're crazy. I don't function like a cult leader. But what I'm trying to say, I'm not going to tell you what kind of car to drive, all that kind of foolishness. I'm not going to tell you what color socks to wear. I'm not going to, are you here today? But what I am trying to tell you is this. Is that if it's a true man of God in your life, if there's a true pastor in your life, a true servant of God in your life that's hearing from God to help you, then God's going to give you, listen to me, favor through your pastor. You start bypassing and overriding and, and making decisions that bypass the man of God that's in your life, you're going to make bad, bad, bad mistakes. Go ahead. I say, what, what do I say to that? Go ahead, because I'm not trying to control you. If you want to do it, do it. But all I'm saying to you, if it's really God, don't you think that there would be other people around you that would say, that's a good thing. People that are in touch with God would say, you're handling this right. You're not only called to do it. Listen to me, church. You're not only called to do it, recognize that, but how you're getting it done, that's good. You have both of those. So I'm just trying to help you today. What you have today is invaluable, and it's your ability to hear. How many of y'all can hear? Hallelujah. Some of you came to church, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I, I'm going to give you a prophetic word. And I, it's, you know, you really don't have to prophesy these things because it's, it happens in every congregation. But I feel a prophetic unction on my life. Some of you came today, you're on the verge of divorce. You're having, I'm not, I'm looking at you, but I'm preaching, I'm not saying you are. But you're having big time troubles. What are we going to do? If you go by your feeling, if you go by your affection, if you go by what your mother-in-law tells you, you're going to be in big trouble. People are going to start giving you advice. It's going to take you right out of the will of God. See, come at, some of you came for answers. You're getting it. All you need right now to keep from being deceived, to keep from making mistakes, is the word from God that you're hearing right now. You get under this. You get yourself in the house of God. You get yourself in the church of God. You sit under the word of God. And I can't give it to you in one service. But if you'll live for God, God will help you. God will direct you. God will intervene in impossible situations. And do what you could never do if you just trust Him. It's not just that we're doing what God told us to do. It's how we're getting it done. Isaac is deceived because he didn't go by what he was hearing. The voice. Rebecca and Jacob. Because they didn't see any other way of making it happen at that time schemed and lied to make it happen. They didn't have to. And I'm going to show you in a moment. All they had to do was trust God. And I'm going to show you what God would have done for them. And it's so simple. But I promise you, they would have never thought that that's what God would have done. It was such a simple solution. Have you been in impossible situations? You say, there's no way this is going to change. God can't even change this. And you are so big. And it's got such a simple solution. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You're going to see it in just a minute.
So his eyesight's gone, if you will. His ear, his uh, feelings gone. His taste is gone, if you will. His his feelings are gone. All he needed was his ability to hear. That's all he needed. That's all you and I need. Just give me a word, God. So the Bible says that Esau blesses him. Verse 27 came near and kissed him and smelled the smell of his raiment, blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee, here's the blessing he pronounces on Jacob, give thee the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, the plenty of corn and wine, prosperity. He said, I'm blessing you with prosperity which is connected to the land of promise. Some of y'all are having financial difficulties. What you need is an anointing of blessings of God in your life. Amen? Let people serve thee. You're going to have a position. Not only prosperity, but a position. People are going to serve thee. Nations shall bow down to thee, but the, be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee and blessed be he that blesseth thee. Now who's he think he's, who does he think he's blessing right now? Esau. He's blessing the wrong son in his mind. He thinks he's blessing Esau. He's, he's blessing the right son. But it was done the wrong way. Verse 30, came to pass, I'm going to have to move quickly, I'm losing some of your attention. Came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. What a shocker. He comes in from the field, hallelujah. He, he's all excited because he believes that he's going to get the blessing because his daddy said he was going to bless him. And what a shocker. He finds out that somebody else has been blessed. So the Bible tells he made the meat for his dad. You with me? And he wants that blessing, verse 31, from his father. And verse 32, And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? He says, here I am, I want to be blessed now, Dad. And Dad says, well, who are you? I just got through blessing Esau. <laughs> who are you? Who art thou? He said, I am thy, thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, who? Listen. He starts trembling. He starts shaking. Why? Because the whole time he knew he was overriding the will of God. The whole time. And he knows when Esau walks in and says, it's Esau, he knows God bypassed his evil. God bypassed his decision to bless the elder son Esau. And, Je and Isaac knows God. He knew God's will. Amen? He knew God. Are you here with me right now? Even though it was done as far as human side the wrong way, he still knew it was God's will for Jacob to get the blessing. And Jacob got it anyway. Hallelujah. So he trembles because he, he, he knows he almost made a mistake that would, would have taken him out of the will of God. And so what does he do? Does he change it? Does he say, okay, now i got to take the blessing that I put on Jacob and I'll give it to you? No, no, no. He submits to the will of God. 
he bows his knee to the will of God trembling. He knows. He knows what the will of God is. So, in verse 34, And when Esau heard the words, no, verse 33, And Isaac trembling very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me? I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. I'm not going to change it. Isaac knew it was the will of God. He did it, and he said, I'm not changing it. He is going to be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. He starts crying like a baby. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Esau cried, but he could not find repentance. These tears that Esau were crying was not tears of repentance. They were tears over what he had lost. He had lost the blessing of his father. He had sold his birthright. It wasn't tears of repentance. It wasn't tears of sorrow as far as trying to make it right with God. He's just crying because of what he lost. What Esau could have been if he had obeyed God. What Esau could have been if he had not given in to the flesh. Isaac almost yielded to the flesh. But the will of God, he allowed the will of God to give him victory over the flesh. Esau never let the will of God give him victory over the flesh. See, some of y'all, you you're in the process of making decisions and you're making them by the flesh. They're fleshly. They're carnal. But the good news today is this is that some of you are going to believe the Word of God and you're going to overcome your flesh like Isaac did. He almost gave into the flesh, but the Word of God, the will of God, come on somebody, he yielded to the will of God and said, he shall be blessed. Esau never, never believed God and overcame the flesh. So if you're in the process right now, and I see I have a limited amount of time to get this point across to you, but if you're in the process right now of making decisions and it's coming out of your flesh and your carnality, you've got two choices. One, you can believe God and overcome the flesh. Or number two, you can be like Esau and not believe God and be overcome by the flesh. Isaac trembling knows the will of God, submits to the will of God. And when Esau starts crying, it's not because he wants to change. It's not because he wants to get right with God. It's because he's lost his opportunity. What he could have been if he had... You with me? What he could have been if he had not used and abused his opportunities. What you could have been Maybe I'm preaching to somebody today that you're like an Esau. What you could have been if you had not used and abused your opportunities. And I'm not saying that you can't be saved. I'm saying your opportunities for usefulness in the kingdom of God, the anointing for ministry upon your life, what you could have been if you had not used and abused it. Think about that. Everything he could have had. But he let his flesh get in the way. Sold his birthright. Now he's crying over it. 
He made His own tears. He created His own tears, honey. Some of your tears coming down your face and you're boo-hooing and you're crying and all this mess. It doesn't have anything to do about with you getting right with God. It's about what you have lost in life. It's what you're losing in life. And I know you don't want to hear that kind of strong word, but that's the kind of preacher I am. I'm going to tell you the truth. If you would stop using and abusing your opportunities, what God could do for you. And the tears running down your face, people see those tears. Oh, poor so-and-so. It's not poor so-and-so. The tears that are coming down their face was made by their own decisions. It didn't have to be that way. But that Jezebel spirit, that pride of life, that pride of race, it can be all kinds of different kinds of pride. Controlling people's decisions. Make up your mind today to be like Isaac and say, Lord, Your Word is going to change me. I'm not yielding to my flesh anymore. I'm not going to make decisions based on my carnality. I'm going to do what You say to do, God. I'm going to stop using and abusing my opportunity. God, in the name of Jesus, somebody hear this Word! It's not just about doing what God has prophesied in your life. It's about how you did it. I got up this morning and I'm thinking about a certain individual. They got an anointing on their life. It's a prophetic anointing on their life. They can be used mightily of God. But they're going about it the wrong way. And I thought to myself, if only they knew if they would do it the right way, what God would do for them. If only they knew. But they think they've got to manipulate and scheme and do it their way and make it happen. Come on, trust God. Believe God. Don't just do what God tells you to do, but do it the right way. I promise you, God will take care of you. I said, God will take care of you. You don't have to lie. You don't have to cheat. You don't have to trick. You don't have to manipulate. Come on, somebody. Is there any Jacobs in the house today? But that's the way you've done it all your life. Just flash out of control. Even the decisions you make in your house based on the relationship you have with your family. Fleshly, carnal, going by feelings. Instead of what does God say? What's reality? Come on, man. At some point, don't you get sick and tired of being sick and tired? At some point, don't you get tired of the way your life has been going? The good news is this, is that you got everything you need this morning to not be deceived. And that's the ability to hear the Word of God. But it's not a one-time fix. you got to get here and hear the Word of God. God will save you. God will deliver you instantly. But as far as fixing things, and far as, you know, things getting better in life, it's going to take time. It took you 40 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years to mess up your life. God can save you in an instant. But it may take 10, 20 years for your life to get on the right path. 
Say praise the Lord. How many of y'all are hearing the Word of God today? You made up your mind you're not going to go the flesh way anymore. You're not going to manipulate lie anymore. You're not going to try to help God out anymore. You're going to trust God. If you don't, there's consequences coming into your life. There's consequences coming to your family. It happened to Rebecca and Jacob. 20 years of separation. You don't want it, do you? You don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want to make mistakes when I get old. I make the right decisions. So Esau's crying, the tears over loss, not repentance. It's sad. Couldn't change it. All the tears that he cried, all the tears flowing down, couldn't change the outcome. You with me? Couldn't change it. See, there's some things in your life because of the decisions you've made that no matter what you do, no matter how many tears you cry, you're not going to be able to change it. That's why right now, you want to hear the Word of God. You want to make up your mind right now. I'm going to go with God. And I'm going to trust God. And even, even when I see things that God's promised me, it's not working out. Somebody else may get it. I'm going to trust God here. If it's really the will of God, He'll make it happen. I don't have to try to make it happen for myself. I just got to find out what His Word is, what His will is, and then go with it. How many of you are willing to, be over, to overcome your flesh right now? You want to overcome your pride? How many, how many of y'all are willing to sit there trembling, just tremble, say, yeah, it's God's will. I know I've been found out. I've been found out. I know it's God's will. I've got to, I'm going to make the commitment to the will of God. I'm going to make a commitment to the Word of God. Because I know what, I, you know what His will is. I don't have to tell you what His will is. You know you've tried it your way. It didn't work. Won't you go God's way? I mean, you, any of you just like to cry? You just enjoy tears? You like liquid pain? You just like liquid pain? Repentance, tears of repentance is a good thing. Make you feel good. The tears that come as a result of bad, as a result of bad decisions, they don't, that's not the way to go. So here's the response. Verse 34, Esau heard the words of his father. What a shock. He cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, my father. He said, Thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. No, that's a lie. Jacob didn't come in and take it. It belonged to Jacob anyway. He said, Is, it not, is he not rightly named Jacob? This is Esau talking. For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. He's got the double portion. Now he's going to be in the messianic line in the priest king ministry anointing. He's got the mantle too. But notice it's Esau that says he's the deceiver. It's Esau that named him that. Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? Bless me too, Daddy. Bless me too, Daddy. 
And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy lord and all his brethren. I have given him to him for servants and with corn and wine. Have I sustained him? And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing? My father bless me. Oh, my father. Esau lifted up his voice and wept. It didn't have to be this way. Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, okay, so he's going to give him a blessing, but nothing like Jacob. Behold, thy dwelling shall be with the fatness of the earth. You're going to be blessed prosperity-wise. And of the dew of heaven from above, and by the sword shalt thou live. Today the Arab nations, that's the way they live. Islam is a religion of the sword. The Arab nations come out of the seed of Esau. They live by the sword. It's a religion of the sword. This is a prophetic word that reaches back 3,600 years. It's still, in, it's, it's, it's happening today. The religion of the sword. And look how the prosperity of the Arabs. I'm not, listen, God wants to save the Arabs. Don't think I'm, I'm ethnically against somebody. He wants to save the Arabs. And then the Bible tells us that there's going to come a time when there will be blessing when they turn to Jesus. But I'm talking about right now. They live by the sword. Islam is religion of the sword. But look at how much wealth they have. That prophetic blessing that he placed upon Esau is real. I mean, it's set in, in motion. Do you understand? That, that when, when Isaac blessed Jacob, there was a spiritual impartation, a power, the power of God that came into that situation, the Spirit of God in that situation to make it happen. When he prophesied over Esau, there was an enabling, a power that enabled that to come to pass that's still in force for 3,600 years. When those blessings were imparted, it was, it was, if you can receive it typically, it was an infilling of the Holy Ghost in power that came upon them. It wasn't just the hand of a father. It was the Spirit of God. It was the hand of God. It was an infilling of the Holy Ghost. It was a prophetic word that set in motion history for that person. That's why you want the blessing, not the curse. It's a force. It's a power. Okay? Now, I told you earlier, it could have all changed if they had just trusted God. And I'm about to show you how God would have done it. How would have God changed it? Esau gets a blessing, not like Jacob. By the sword shalt thou live, thou shalt serve thy brother, it shall cut a pass, when thou shalt have dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thine Esau, what's this, hated Jacob. So the manipulating, the scheming, the lying. Now we got hatred, we got strife between brothers. He hated Jacob. Because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning of my father at hand, then will I slay my brother Jacob. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. When my, mother, when my father dies, I'm going to kill him. That's how much he hated me. See, sometimes when you give something away, when Jacob sold his birthright, Later on, when it's given away, when you give it away by the decision that you make and it's given to somebody else, you will hate that person that you gave it away to. 
See, you want the crown. You with me? He hates him, wants to kill him. You want the crown, but you wouldn't carry the cross. You wanted the crown, but you wouldn't carry the cross. You wanted the glory, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't be willing to bear the shame. You wanted the reward, but you're not willing to run the race. How many people are like that? They want the crown, but not willing to carry the cross. They want the glory, but not willing to, be, to bear the shame. You with me today? Sad. That's what happened to Esau. He could have had it, but he gave it up. People want the reward, but they don't want to run the race. See, they're like that, like that helper of the prophet. When the prophet's reward was offered to the prophet, the prophet said, I don't want it. And he said, I'll take it. But he didn't want to pay the price the prophet paid. Sad. If you're blessed today, there's a reason why you're blessed. You listen to God. You did it God's way. If somebody else got your blessing, it's your fault. If it belonged to you, it's your fault. You gave it up. Is anybody hearing this? Because you didn't want to pay the price. And that's what happened. Man, hatred, bitterness, went to kill his brother. And the Bible says in verse 42, And these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah, Now look at this. What are we going to do? Well, we've got to step in again. We got to, here goes Rebecca. I mean, she's a troublemaker, man. She, she is really the first manipulative woman in the Bible. She's a manipulator. She's tried to step in and help God out. You know, telling her son to do this and telling her son to do that, getting her in trouble, getting him in trouble because of her manipulative abilities. Manipulators, man. They're masters of it. Get everybody in trouble. Manipulating mamas get everybody in trouble. Everybody. So here she is again. Mama to the rescue. Mama to the rescue. Man, you hear me preach, you almost think I'm a, a woman hater. No, I don't hate women. But I'm just telling you, there's some women that'll they'll manipulate the situation to get everybody in trouble. Get the whole house in trouble. That was her. Here she comes to the rescue again. Mama, look at your neighbor and say, Mama to the rescue. <laughs> Mama to the rescue. Here she comes again. She's going to lie on this one even. So her, what is her plan? Well, are y'all with me? Verse 43, Now therefore my son obey my voice and rise, flee to Laban, my, my brother to Haran, and tarry with him a what? Few days until thy brother's fear return away. She thought it was only going to be temporary. It was 20 years. She never saw him again. Manipulating mama. Mama to the rescue. Now 
until thy brother's anger turn away from thee and he forget that that which thou hast done to him, then I will send and fetch thee from thence. Why should I deprive, be deprived also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. She said, My God, a son Esau that married Canaanite women, married unbelievers. We saw that in the previous chapter. Esau, Isaac and Rebekah's son, married Canaanites, unbelievers. And so she says, You know what? She says, the daughters of Heth, I'm worried of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do to me? See, it's all a cover-up. It's all a lie. She said, I'm going to send him away so he can go get a wife, the right kind of wife and not a Canaanite wife. She never saw him alive again. It was all a lie. It was just a cover-up to protect his life from those schemes and tricks and lies that they had come up with. I wish I had time, but I'm running, I'm running out of your patience, so I'm not going to continue. Because in the 28th chapter, that's what he did. He's, anyway, we'll get back into it next week. But I want to show you what God would have done if they had just trusted God. Over at the end, toward the end of the book of Genesis, we see Jacob later in life and by the way, when he's sent away, he, he is going to learn. When he goes into Haran, he's going to learn the law of the birthright. He has the birthright. He has the blessing. But he doesn't understand it. And so God, listen to me, when he goes over into Haran, he's going to learn the law of the birthright with Rachel and Leah. Okay? So we'll continue this next week. But I want to show you, if he had trusted God, what would have happened? How would have God stepped in and intervened and overridden the will of Isaac to bless the older son Esau? Jacob is old at this point in the 48th chapter of the book of Genesis. Are you there? Chapter 48, I want to show you what God would have done for him. A lot of history has come and gone. Joseph has gone up into Egypt and he's had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh's the older son, Ephraim's the younger son. Joseph brings his two sons into the presence of, of his father, Jacob, or Israel, to be blessed. He's old, he's sick, he's about to die. And so the Bible says in verse 13 of chapter 48, Joseph took them both Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand. And Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand and brought them near unto him. So we got Manasseh on the right hand because he's the elder son and we got Ephraim, the younger son, on the left hand. So the blessing can be pronounced upon the elder son. Watch what happens. The Bible says, Israel, this is Jacob, the one that had tricked his way into getting the blessing from his brother Esau. Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger. And his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittily, for Manasseh was... For Manasseh was the firstborn. What God did was step in 
And when Jacob is about to bless the elder son with his right hand, the will of God is the young, the elder shall serve the younger. And God stepped in and made his hands cross like this. And he put his right hand on the younger son and blessed the younger son and his left hand on the elder son. And the younger son got the blessing. That's what God would have done for Jacob if Jacob and Rebekah had just waited on him. When Isaac stretched forth hands, his hands, his right hand to bless Esau, God would have intervened and Isaac would have crossed his hands and laid it on the head of Jacob. And it has saved 20 years. 20 years of being separated from his mother never to see her ever again. If they had just waited on God and trusted God. See, when they looked at it, they thought it was impossible. God said, it's, such, it's so simple. All i got to do is cross the hands. Jacob, this is what I would have done for you if you had just waited on me. When you start trying to manipulate and control things in life, make things happen by lying and cheating, remember, you're going to bring pain and sorrow to your life and other people's lives when you do that. If you had just waited and been patient and trusted God, God would have stepped in on your behalf in impossible situations as you walked by faith and turned it completely around for you with no sorrow. Because the Bible says when God blesses you, He adds no sorrow with it. Let's stand. Father God, I come before You today. I bow to You. I, I bow my knee to Your will, to Your Word this morning. Not my will, but Your will would be done. If there be any temptation, God, in any of us, to try by manipulating, lying, cheating, tricking. Make things happen to try to help you. Lord, we depart from that fleshly, carnal approach. We hear your word. We take you at your word. We trust you by faith. We believe that you'll work it out. Even though we can't see how. We thank you for the word of God today, Lord. Our ability to hear it. It keeps us from being deceived. We disconnect ourselves from affections that are taking us away from the will of God. We disconnect, Lord Jesus, the senses that override what we know is the Word of God in our life. And Lord, we trust You that as we walk with You and submit to Your Word and obey Your Word, we trust You to step in and miraculously doing your will in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. No matter what you do, you trust God. You let God call the shots in your life. You let God tell you what to do. You do it His way. The challenge is when you know what God's will is in your life, you're going to try to help Him out. Don't do it. Because then, who did it? You or God? You let God do it. And then when God does it, you say, there's no way I, it would have happened for me if it wasn't for the Lord. There's no way. And I, in closing, I'm just going to say this before I let you go. I was talking to Christina yesterday. That's my wife. As you don't know. And I told her, I said, you look at our church. 
You look at the blessings of God on our church. This church is blessed, blessed, blessed. You look at the blessings of God on our church and you look at the blessings of God on many of the people in the church that are walking in the will of God. We all know. We didn't do it. We all know it was God's blessing in our life that made it happen. Amen. We know it was because the Lord said to do this and said to do that and we obeyed Him and we did it. And then we saw the end results of it, of those decisions. Can I just share this with you as I close? You don't get wealth. You create it. You don't get it. You create it. Blessings that come to your life are because you heard from God and you did what God told you to do. And it spared you. And I told my wife, I said, we... Our church is so blessed right now. I mean, we are abundantly blessed. We got stuff happening all around this church right now. To this church, on the behalf of this church. You with me? Because simply because of the blessings of God. He gets all the glory. If you're blessed right now, you can't take the credit. You just have to say, well, the Lord, the Lord, I obeyed you. And he blessed me. God is good. You do it His way. You trust Him. Even though it's difficult, you watch what God will do. You paid the price. Carry the cross, get the crown. Bear the shame, get the glory. Run the race and get the reward. Because God will make sure of it if you trust Him. How many of you want that in your life? Amen. Said, but I've been waiting a long time. You keep waiting. You keep waiting. You wait until God says it's time. And watch what the Lord will do. I mean, can, is there anybody here have the ability not just to see but to hear? You hear? You see what God is... Is anybody see what God's been doing for this church? You see it? And I'm just, I'm, I'm talking about just in the, the physical the building, the, the, the upgrades of the building, things like that. I mean, who, how many churches in Odessa, Texas have a complete workout facility now? You got a complete new, you got a complete workout facility. Brand new floors, fixing to have brand new chairs, fixing to have the outside of the church is going to be all painted beginning next week. And the well still is not going to run dry. And I haven't had to ask you for one offering. So how are we doing all that? The blessings of the Lord. From direction that He gave us years ago is flowing down the pipe now to you. And I haven't taken up one. I haven't got up and said, we need an offering for the chairs. We need an offering for the carpet. We need an offering for the floor. We need an offering for the gym equipment. We need an offering for the paint. I haven't asked you for one thing. In fact, God has allowed that abundance that's come into this house to bless you, some of you. God doesn't need my help. He doesn't need your help. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Give Him a hand clap of praise. He deserves it. I said He deserves it. He's great and greatly to be praised.
God is so good. Hallelujah. He's so good. Mm. I'm hesitant to say this, but He's so good. It's taken us a while. Amen. But the other day, you know, my son's getting to that age. You know how it is. They get to that age, they need a car or truck or something. Hallelujah. Well, I didn't want them to go into debt. Because some of y'all love debt. I don't want to go into more debt. I got enough with the payment I got on my house, you know. And I don't want to go into more debt. So I said, all right, I got a Corvette. I got a Jeep. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to trade those in. I'm going to get my son a vehicle, you know. And so we traded those two vehicles in. Went, Brother Jonathan, where he works, and traded those two vehicles in. And then we're able to pay the difference in cash. That, that truck he's driving is paid for. It's a 2015. It's completely paid for. There's no payments being made on that car. There's no co-signing being done. Hallelujah. I know better than the co-sign. Now, Victoria and Thomas, they pay in their own truck. They don't have a co-signer on that one. That was a miracle. But I'm just telling you, if you trust God, see, if you trust God, He'll, He'll make it happen for you. Hallelujah. You say, okay, I'm going to help God. I'm going to go and get, you know, with time, if you trust Him. He can do things that there's, you know, and you see people, you're sitting, and I sit in the finance office, and uh, we're writing a check out for the difference in the vehicle, and God just looking at us. I'm like, you just can't believe it. Glory be to my God. Glory be to my God. Hallelujah. And I didn't, I didn't take a special offering for it from you. Say, hey, I want to buy my son a trunk. Everybody give me an offering. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that's the goodness of God. He's just a good God. I promise you. You trust Him. You do it His way. He will take care of you. You may have to wait. Hallelujah. But that's all right. You blessed, brother? Oh, God. He go, well, he don't even know if you want to talk about it. But you say, well, well, come on, man. How many cars you already got? 30 in three weeks. And I, so I mean, I mean, some of you don't like car salesmen, but you go and go to them to buy cars. So I don't know what your problem is. But see, he, he came to me and they were having financial struggles. He came to me the other day, sat in my office. You know, he's fixing to throw in the towel on that business. Him and his wife, his wife's crying. Fixing to throw in the towel. He's fixing to become a plumber. Which nothing wrong with being a plumber if you want to be a plumber, but that's not what he he see this guy being a plumber and ain't no way. He don't like he don't even like the feel of a shovel. He don't want a shovel in his hand. <laughs> Come on, man. You know? So he comes to my office, sits down and talks, said I what to do, make I said, What here's here's what I'm gonna advise you. I'm gonna say there's a particular dealership, I know the, the manager, I said why don't you go over there and you, you put your application at that dealership with that, with that man? Because I know that man personally. And I said, I, I believe that's what God's telling me to tell you. So that's what he did. And how many of you sold in three weeks? Thirty. It's not about this man controlling your life. It's about God wanting to help you if you will stop your insanity and trust God. Amen. Because if I've given you directions, not because of something that's going to come to me, it's to help you. You with me here? 
So I give God the glory, give God the praise. So I'm just saying, not the blessed God on the church. So 30 cars in three weeks. Man, there's some people who don't sell 30 cars in a year. Amen? That's the goodness of God. You're going to go to work, Kelly? Still thinking about it? Well, he came to me and said, well, what do you think about me selling cars? I said, go for it. You can always go back to what you're doing right now. Give it a try. Amen. I don't know if he's going to do it or not. But, but God wants to bless you. How many of y'all are blessed? Won't you start doing it God's way? It's not just about finances. Much more than that. Okay? May the Lord bless you real good. We'll see you at 530 for prayer.